0: This is required, like this is not optional, it's required. And I don't care how good your kid is or how smart they are. Everybody's curious about sex, everybody.
1: Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. This week, I'm bringing back to the podcast sexuality educator and parenting expert Amy Lang for a follow-up conversation about online pornography. I know this is something on many parents' minds right now as kids are spending more and more time online during the pandemic. After hearing from more and more anxious parents and knowing from my past conversations with Amy just how important it is that kids have the information and context they need about porn. I wanted to have a frank conversation about how parents can initiate and continue to have conversations with their kids about sexuality. Amy is passionate about helping parents get comfortable being uncomfortable and fostering a dynamic with their children that will result in healthy attitudes around sexuality. In our conversation, I asked Amy to shed some light on what she is seeing and hearing from parents during the pandemic, what parents should be looking out for right now, and the literal words that parents can use to start these important conversations with our kids. Also, if you haven't heard my other conversations with Amy, be sure to check them out. Episode 44 is about sex education and differently wired kids. And episode 102 is about pornography specifically. Also, if you listen to the show with your kids, this may be one that you would ask them to leave the room for. And now here is my conversation with Amy.
0: Hey, Amy, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you and your people. Yes,
1: this is another important conversation that we need to have. And I I think we've talked for the show a couple of times before. And I, I think it's important to kind of update and check in because of what's happening in the world and covid and just the amount of time our kids are spending online and spending alone and feeling isolated and all of that stuff. So before we start talking about that, can you just take a few minutes and do your
0: your general introductory spiel about yourself? I'm happy to. So I am a sexuality educator and I have been for a very long time. Like I think I'm coming on like 27 years. Which scares me, but anyway. Uh, So I started out doing uh, pregnancy, abortion, birth control counseling, and then that led me to do general sexual health education and counseling. I worked for Planned Parenthood for a couple of years, and I just had figured I was going to be an amazing sex talker when I had kids. And I had my son Milo, and it turns out that I would rather talk to a pregnant 14 year old than my four year old about his penis. So That was my little like uh, moment where I realized I needed to get some help. So I started doing some research. And I also have a master's degree in adult education. And so while I was figuring this out for myself, I realized that, oh, I could combine my two favorite things talking about sex and doing adult education. So I did. And that was about 14 years ago. And I started birds and bees and and I've been helping parents and other folks talk with kids about sexuality, love, and relationships. Um, I also focus part of my work on understanding, like, playing doctor, what's normal, what's not, and how to help kids with that. So that's what I do. And sadly, the porn and all that has become, you know, right now in particular, I'm getting lots of emails and calls from folks about, like, what do we do with this time? Exactly what you just said, right? Like, so much more time online And I'm really glad we're going to be able to talk about this because it's confusing and scary. It is. And I'm so
1: glad that you do the work that you do. I think for many people, certainly many of my listeners, certainly for me raising my hand, this can sometimes feel really uncomfortable to talk about. But it's so important that we are armed with information. And I think you're doing just such a great service to families everywhere. So thank you. Thank you. So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about what you are seeing and, and hearing from people. One of the things I was thinking about in preparing for this was just even in the very beginning of COVID and, and classes moving online over Zoom. And we were hearing reports of people crashing Zoom rooms and, and sharing content that was inappropriate. And, you know, I know that there are just so many things, possibilities, concerns that people have right now. So what are the things that you're noticing and seeing right now as a result of where we are with the COVID pandemic?
0: Well, I think one of the things that's happened is that before the pandemic, people who are pretty loosey-goosey in terms of monitoring and parental controls... Uh, because lots of folks think, oh, my kid would never look at that. My seven year old would never Google boobs. My 12 year old, there's not a possibility that he would be interested in sex in any way. So we had this, we had this kind of naivete about, you know, what our kids were going to see and then whoops, here's COVID and here they are online, you know, for hours a day and they don't have the, um, like that backup protection and so it's really a lot easier for them, easier for them because they get bored and they Google stuff, their friends are sending them stuff, and it's just this perfect storm. So the terrible part, the hard part, is that, yeah, kids are being exposed to way more stuff than they would have been for a variety of reasons. But I'm a bright sider. The bright side is parents are being much more motivated to keep their kids safer online. And that fantasy about exposure is kind of getting chipped away. Uh, it's not totally gone. So that's one of the main things that I'm like, that's kind of what happened. And so now what I'm hearing is that uh, my kid's alone in his room. We just figured out that he's been looking at porn. You know, my uh, kids were playing online with someone, and someone said, Hey, check this video out. And so, also, we're all so stressed out as parents. It's really hard to pay attention, right? Like, everybody's a mess. And So that's the other thing is like, oh, my God, one more thing, right? Like one more damn thing I have to think about and deal with.
1: Yes. And you just really summed it up. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm sitting with that word. One more damn thing that we have to be thinking about. Because, yeah, this is an incredibly stressful time. And I am hearing so much from families who are struggling to get their kids to attend to their classes and to just kind of navigate hybrid or remote learning. And this just feels cruel that this is an additional thing we have to be really concerned about. So first of all, I'm wondering how people are, you said that people are figuring out that this has happened or is happening with their kids. How are parents becoming aware that their kids may be exploring uh, content that is not appropriate for them?
0: Usually they're stumbling upon it like they might like think oh I should probably check the browser history because they're online so much and then oh surprise somebody spent a little time looking at something that you know you can't unsee things or they're hearing from a friend like that's what's happening a lot is like someone will say hey my kid saw this stuff and now you know I'm worried and my turns out my friend's kid saw it too so there's like more communication about it But there's a lot of shame around it. Like, I think people are really embarrassed and ashamed that they didn't take steps to protect their kids online. So it's also not talking. But also, I think people have, you know, brains. I mean, just think about it. Like, they're thinking about it now, right? And it's this background worry. So it's coming up. Like, it's kind of top of mind for folks. And then they hear a rumor, they hear a story, it happens to their kid. So it's just, I think it's just kind of come to the surface. And I'm just trying to think of like, is is there like a perfect example? But really, the deal is that people suddenly discover that their kid has been looking up boobs, or like I had a family whose daughter googled horses and ended up in porn land. So that's the other thing. It's happening innocently. It's not like they all go out and look for, you know, hey, what's a threesome, right? Like they could be looking at something else and misspelling things and, you know, sort of that typical stuff from before. Uh, but I also think that the, you know, the interwebs has gotten a little more savvy in some ways. I'm clearly not a technical person. <laughs> and and so it it's pushing that stuff more and more just because of the way like the interwebs are now, it's just different than it was five years ago, even. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, you mentioned that parents are feeling embarrassed or shame that they haven't had these conversations before. And it is something right to hear a conversation like this, like the one we did last year or two years ago, where we talked about how important it is to have these conversations. And then now all of a sudden, gosh, I never did that. Um, so you know how do you first of all talk to parents who are how do we get parents past that that guilt or shame or embarrassment that you know they didn't take action and now they may be feeling in addition to the guilt they may be feeling like it's too late i've i've screwed up and now we're in dangerous territory here
0: well the good news is there's actually a really easy answer to that which is to apologize and just say you know hey I made a mistake, we made a mistake, we should have been talking to you about this sooner. And you know, you're old enough now. And here we go. And you know, we the place you actually start is with the sex talks is with like opening the door to having conversations about sexuality, love and relationships. So if you use that as your um, entry point, like so you say, hey, we should have been talking with you about sex and all that stuff sooner. And so now we're going to start talking about it. That's the only thing you need to say, especially to older kids, like the 10 and uppers. The apology is really important because it shows them that you're responsible because you are responsible for their online exposure. It's not their responsibility to be safe online. It's your responsibility. Think about it like putting a seatbelt on, right? We wouldn't let our kids get in a car without a seatbelt. So that apology. And then with kids who are 10 and under, it's easier because you can just say, hey, you know what? You're old enough now. Because they need to know what like sex is before they can really understand, like fully understand what, you know, the yucky stuff is and have a context for it. And we want them to have a healthy context for sexuality. We don't want them to think that, you know, two guys and a horse and a woman is normal or typical. So we really got to kind of like back up the truck a bit and then and are into the porn conversation. And the good news with talking to older kids is that they can like understand this more quickly, more readily than like an eight-year-old or seven-year-old. So it's, um, it's kind of one of the things I like about talking with older kids. And sometimes I think parents think, oh, I have to be like all firm and stern and like apologizing. That's going to like take away my power from my child. And actually what happens when we apologize to our kids is that they lean into us we, we're human, and we're modeling, right? Because they make mistakes too, right? They are going to make mistakes online. They're probably already have. And so we want to set them up to understand that like, we're here for them. And by apologizing, that's the very first step. And it is not hard to apologize. And it feels good, because I'm betting you're sorry.
1: Well, I just love that language. That was one of my questions too. Uh, you know, how do we start these conversations? Literally, what are the words that need to come from our mouth? And so maybe just repeat that one more time for the littles and for 10 and up. Give us that okay. first sentence.
0: Okay. So the first sentence with the littles, so we're talking like eight and under, is you just really simply say, hey, you know what? I've been thinking you're old enough now, no matter how old they are, you're old enough now for us to start talking about bodies, baby making, boundaries, and then all that sex stuff. Do you know what that word is? Do you know what that means? And see what they say. And then with little people um, and everybody, they need books. And then you just say, here's this book. We're going to read this book together. Boom, done. You're off and running. They're much easier to talk to. (laughs) With the the 10 and olders, you apologize and you say, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I didn't think you were old enough for us to start talking about this. But now I know you are. So we're going to start talking about sexuality, relationships, consent, all that stuff, because I want you to feel good and confident about this part of life. I want you to know what's healthy and how to, you know, manage this because it's going to be here before you know it. We'll be right back
1: after this quick break. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. There's so much more to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome than eating a balanced and healthy diet. Travel, certain medications, and of course, Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at Ritual.com slash Tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's Ritual.com slash Tilt for 25% off. And so what about for even older kids who, you know, I know the statistics say, and and you would know better than me, but there's a, a large percentage of teens who have been exposed to pornography online. I don't know, exa- again, what the exact numbers are, but assuming that teenagers have been exposed in some way, how do we then begin that conversation if we haven't been talking about it before?
0: So again, you just want to say, like, I'm all about the apology with this. So you mm-hmm. say, hey, and look, here's the thing. I'm really sorry. I'm guessing you've probably seen some porn or your friends have. And here's the deal. Like, I should have been talking to you this about this from the beginning, but i'm uncomfortable and i also just want to let you know that you know porn is not healthy it's not real sexuality it's not real sex it's like a cartoon uh, people don't look like that do stuff like that you know when they're having you know a typical normal regular whatever sex life and they are going to be like uh yeah you gr- i don't want to talk about this um and then you know with the porn thing we just have to talk about it and doing a little research about language to use. Um, There's some okay places to get information about how to talk to kids about porn. A lot of it, unfortunately, is really sort of shame-based. So just being clear, like it's normal to be curious. This is not a healthy place to get your information. And then kind of seeing what they say and do. And if you have not had monitoring on their devices, then you say, and here's the deal. We're going to be putting monitoring on your devices. We want to make sure that you're safe and that you're making good decisions when you're online and they're not going to like it, but you just tell, tell them it's the price of admission. And remember, you're the parent, you're the boss of their everything. And if you're really late to the game, like they're 17, 18, 19, then don't bo- I mean, don't bother because you're just gonna look like a you're gonna look really dumb. And so, you know, there's this point where. You know, not that the ship has sailed, but you really like in terms of the internet stuff, like the online, the monitoring and stuff, it kind of is kind of pointless. But that the good thing about having older kids, like I'm all for like 12, 13 and over, just talk about all of it. So don't be like cagey about it. I mean, just be straight up about like the impact of pornography uh, there's a website, Make Love Not Porn. Uh, she's got some really good resources there. And, you know, do some research yourself about how to talk about porn with teenagers in a way that's not shaming, um, because they've seen it, they may be using it, you know, you really want to be clear that it's not a health, you know, again, like back to that, it's not healthy sexuality, it's not really, it's not normal sexuality, and then see what they do with it. And they may be all grunty and not respondy and telling you they've got it, but they don't. Okay,
1: that's so helpful. And I I would like to know a little bit more about the monitoring software. You know, are there I don't know if there are certain ones that you recommend. So certainly you're an you're an advocate of that, especially for kids who are under 17. But is that something that parents should let any child know that they're doing? Or is it something that with younger kids, you just do and they don't need to know? How do you handle that?
0: Well, we don't do any spying. So what you say is, hey, we're putting monitoring and parental controls onto all of the devices that you access the internet on, which could be horrific. Like there could be a lot of them. Um, And you just be straight up about it. And then you tell them why. We want you to be safe online. There's a lot of yucky stuff out there. And we're going to be watching where you go online. This is to keep you safe. And if we see something that we're worried about, we'll just have a conversation about it. And think about it like guardrails. So when they're really little, you know, ideally, they are not even really able to get online like five and six and under, they shouldn't be able to go anywhere on the interwebs. And if they do, it needs to be super locked down. And as they get older, you can remove some of the parental controls, you're always going to monitor, you're going to monitor, monitor, monitor. And then by the time they're in middle school, they should have free range They should be able to go anywhere they want on the internet, but you're still monitoring. So you get a weekly daily digest, a couple of products that are really good. Uh, Circle and Bark are really great. Uh, They're easy to install. There's a thingamajig that gets attached to the router. Again, I'm not technical. Uh, there's an app. You can do things like if someday when people can come to your house again, uh, you can uh, make the internet not work for anyone. So you can you can turn things off and on. You can make a time when they can be online. Um, they're really, really helpful. I know some of your listeners are not in the US. So Custodio, which is Q-U-S-T-I-D-O, that works in other countries other than the US. Um, so you, this is required. Like this is not optional. It's required and I don't care how good your kid is or how smart they are. Everybody's curious about sex. Everybody. Okay. Thank you for
1: sharing that. And listeners, I'll include these in the show notes as well. So if you didn't have a chance to write them down, check out the show notes and you can look into those monitoring devices or software. Think of a jiggies to use Amy's words. So I guess I'd love to know. In addition to monitoring, are there there are other things that parents should be looking out for? Like are there signs that that we can tune into to know if our kids have been exposed to something or troubled by something they've seen?
0: Yeah, um so like if we're looking behaviorally with younger kids, their behavior might change. So they might seem and this is just such a hard time, right? Cuz all of her behaviors changed, but if they're particularly withdrawn, so these are like pre-puberty people. Um, particularly withdrawn. They seem more anxious. They are sneaking or hiding when they're online. Like, if you walk in, like, I had one family tell me that they let their kiddo be, they were actually on vacation, and this was before. Uh, they were kind of loosey goosey, and he had the iPad, and he was really interesting in birth. And so they have been watching birth videos. So he was up in his bedroom, and the mom came in, and he just took that iPad and like shoved it against his chest. And, you know, little kids are. Awesome, because they can't hide crap, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so he's all weird looking and she's like, what's going on? And he had found his way to porn. So you want to like watch their behavior around it. So if they seem sneaky, secretive, if they just seem uncomfortable or weird. And again, you know, before this was easier to spot because there's a lot of reasons to be all those ways right now. Um, And trust your gut and check and ask. You can just say, hey, have you seen anything yucky or weird or scary online? And did you hear my tone right there? hey, Mm -hmm. like, how's the weather? Same (laughs) tone, like really chill, don't have an event. And so just check in with them and see what they say. And it's super important to say you won't be in trouble. If you tell me you won't be in trouble, just want to make sure you're safe. And then with the older kids, lots of time, again, this is hard with teenagers, right? Like lots of time in the room, in their bedroom, uh, with their phones, with their devices, uh, being really like secretive about their phones and like not letting you see anything, like being weird if you have access to their phone. Uh, If you've noticed any adult-like banter, because we should all be kind of listening in when our our kids are talking with each other. So any kind of adult-like banter, if you hear really gross slang, which I'm not allowed to use right now, but think of the things that are kind of ugly words for private parts and sex acts. So if you hear anything like that, And then again, just check in and say, Hey, how are you doing with this? Like, I know this is something that lots of kids see. Um, You know, you can tell me if you've used it, you know, it can become really a problem for folks. One of the problems about right now and porn use is that uh, people use it to relieve anxiety. And oftentimes, that's why they're using it. It's kind of a tool to help themselves feel better, even though like, it's, backward, right? Like that doesn't make sense to us us as adults, but it may because I know some of people who are listening right now, you use porn, and you might not use it in a healthy way. So thinking about it in terms of like behavior changes, and um, secrecy, and, um, you know, you know, your kids, so if they're being weirder (laughs) than normal, again, technical terms, Like if your gut tells you there, something's off, something is off, right? Like we all know as parents, we, if we ignore our intuition that we're making a mistake, our intuition is rarely, rarely wrong. Right. So
1: I know, you know, we talked about this in the the last conversation we had about this. and, And also I'll link to that in the show notes because listeners definitely check that out. It was, it was a great conversation. We went deeper into some of these topics, but I know that there is a a belief that talking about these things will actually create more curiosity and, you know, we might be basically opening the door and saying, oh, all of this stuff exists, you know, and kids might be more inclined to check it out. So why does actually talking about pornography, talking about sex in general, actually help keep kids safer online?
0: Well, if they already know what sex is, and they already know your values about it, and they already know from an early age that the place to learn about sex is from you because you should be their go to person like and you can say I'm your go to for this. I know a lot about this part of life. And if I don't know, I'll figure out the answer. That's why we have books for you to look at. Uh, there's some really great videos like on a at amaze.org. You know, these are safe places to learn about this. And, you know, an informed child is an empowered child and an empowered child feels better and they make better decisions. Because if your kid knows what sex is, it's really easy to say, and P.S., there's this stuff called porn. It is sexual. It is not for kids. It's adult stuff. It can really mess you up. It's really can be really scary and confusing. So we're talking to you about this now so that when you see that. You'll have a better understanding of what it is and you'll be less curious because it does decrease curiosity if they have safe places to go and they know they can talk to you. So if they have a question about their body, like why are they getting boners 24 seven? If they have a, a safe place to go to learn about that, like the, um, there's some good puberty books, which I can hook you up with. Like if they have a safe place to go read about like the random acts of senseless boners, they're going to be less likely to Google that, right? Mm -hmm. And really just helping them understand, like we want them to have this basis of healthy sexuality. We want to be sex positive with our kids, which doesn't mean we're promoting polyamory and BDSM and all of that. I think people don't understand what sex positive means. It means that we present sexuality as a healthy, positive, wonderful, fun part of life. And imagine if that's the message you got when you were growing up. So it protects them and it's not a silver bullet. It, it isn't, but it gives you like, when you know that you've been working hard on this part of parenting, if they see it, they're going to be less likely to not look at it because their curiosity's already been satisfied elsewhere. And, you know, with older kids, I have a whole bunch of sexy books for like young adult books for kids to look at and to read, um, you know, helping them understand that, you know, sexuality requires and sex requires imagination, and that when we look at porn, we think that's sex, so it takes away imagination. So just helping them to see the bigger picture. And, you know, that, it, like I said, it isn't gonna fix it all, but it will definitely help them make different decisions. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back after this quick break.
1: Hey, there, it's Debbie. Also for listeners, the very first conversation I had with Amy, which was probably in year one of this podcast was just about having, you know, the talk. It was about sex ed for differently wired kids. So I will also include a link to that in the show notes. It's definitely worth going back and listening to that. If you haven't yet had these conversations, or maybe you have, but you want to make sure that you've covered it the way that is best for your family. So. One last question and then I would love you to tell us a little bit about where people can reach you and to tell us about your awesome podcast, which I just love. So is there anything else that we can be proactively doing to protect our kids, especially during this time when we know that they're, they are just more isolated and more, more vulnerable to everything that we've been discussing today?
0: Yeah, I would say turn it off. Like I would say, I know it's hard for all of us, but to turn it off, like have a day where no one is online and that's going to mean you're going to have to interact with people and it's going to give everybody's brain and body a break from this. So having scheduled times where they turn it off, uh, this is why you have monitoring because you can shut it off. Like you can literally make it so they cannot get online. Uh, making sure they don't have any devices in their bedroom after a certain time talking openly about it, you know, really helping them to understand that like looking at that stuff is just gonna increase their anxiety. You know, their isolation now is just so hard. So figuring out ways for them to have playdates with their friends that are online, you know, if they are gaming, which I know everybody is, just make sure they can't go anywhere online when they're gaming. Um, and again, like it's, this is about conversation and connection. I think we're all feeling disconnected in multiple ways. So finding time where you are filling their love bucket, you know, one of my favorite, favorite things to do with kids is something called special time, which is where you let them lead the play and you don't boss them around at all. Like they're in charge of what you're doing. That also will help them feel more um, calm and satisfied and, I wish that we weren't having this time like we all do. And it's a challenge to parenting, right? But, you know, parenting is hard. And, you know, maybe I'm adding some, you know, I'm piling on a little more hard to your parenting. But the outcome is going to be better for everyone. And we'll feel better. You will feel better. And which is really important. Because if you feel better, they're going to feel better, right? Everybody's pinging off everybody else right now. So true.
1: So tell us about the resources that you have available at Birds and Bees and Kids and tell us about your awesome Just Say This
0: podcast. So at my, on my website, birdsandbeesandkids.com, there's a bunch of stuff there for you. I have an online resource center called the Birds and Bees Solutions Center, and that is like a one-stop shop for you to have these conversations. It's pretty much got everything you need in it to become their go-to I have a online bookstore with curated books by age group. So you can see like a bunch of different options for your books. They're also I've been blogging since God was a boy. uh, So there's tons of stuff in my blog and just lots and lots of opportunities. And I also do quickies with parents, which is just a 30 minute consultation. So if you have something that's feeling urgent, you can get to me. We can take care of a lot in half an hour, it turns out. Um, and then my podcast, which I um, am super happy with, and thank you for saying it's awesome. It's called Just Say This, and it's advice column style. So parents call in, leave me a voicemail, and then I answer it on the show. And it is everything from, I think this week's episode is anal sex, somebody asking about that, a kid asking about that, um, something about a 12-year-old girl, and I don't remember a puberty thing, and then something about a three year old playing doctor. So it's totally potluck. I just answer whatever feels right to me in the moment. Um, So it's been super fun. And I love advice columns. So it's totally like totally my thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: It's great. And also what what I also appreciate as someone who listens to many podcasts is the episodes are 1520 minutes. So and again, you know, if, if you look at the titles, you can see so I can just scroll through. I'm like, Oh, I need to know about this because this has come up in our house. And then I can just get your very smart, brief answer to that question. And I feel so much more informed and, and information helps you feel less anxious. So it's just such a great thing you're putting out there.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And I actually if you decide to listen to it, listen to every episode because You're going to get something out of the three-year-old playing doctor because it might be like your kid might have played doctor at three. And then when you hear, oh, yeah, this is completely typical, it's going to relieve your stress. Because if you've been thinking that your child's like Hector the molester, but they really they were just curious about their friend's vulva, that actually goes a long way to relieving that anxiety just in parenting in general. And, you know, I'm not for everyone. There's a lot of swearing. Um, And I am very direct. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. I really appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for everything that you shared today. And hopefully this, you know, information is going to help people feel like they've got more tools, more resources, and we can eliminate some of those deer in headlights moments. And uh, yeah, I just encourage everyone to check out the resources that Amy shared today thank you so much. And I look forward to our next conversation. We'll be out of COVID
0: and we'll have something else to discuss. Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting
1: podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash Tilt Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com.